Psalm 23, last week we looked at a very precious part of it, but I'd like us to read it again as a whole. Are you ready? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And last week he restores my soul. How important that was, because we all need that from time to time. And the great shepherd restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And today, probably the most familiar part of this psalm, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And again, one of the most beloved psalms. And in our series, we've seen a lot about the shepherd and the sheep and how God considers us his sheep. And the Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. He's also the chief shepherd. And uh, and so on. We find that in in uh, in scripture anyway in verse 4 we find death and uh, i don't know how many funerals i've been to where and of course i've conducted dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of funeral in all those years and uh, you always seem to somewhere either on the brochure for the funeral that the family gets from the funeral home or the family requests it read uh, during the service, or it's uh, some even have put it on the headstone. This just seems to be very popular. Uh, and uh, so did everybody get an outline? We're going to have to cruise today because we've been a little bit behind. I need an outline, anybody? Cup of coffee? Can I get you a donut? Here we go. Some say this verse is the most precious portion in this beloved psalm for the Christian. It contains a message of peace and power for the valley. I like to watch westerns and uh, good westerns. There's some bad ones, too, so we leave those alone. But uh, <clears throat> watched one a while back, and uh, the guys were talking about, about having a gunfight between them. And... Uh, the one cowboy looked at him and says, the only thing I know about life is none of us are going to get out of it alive. Now, that's a negative, but that's what he said. And you know, there's a kernel of truth in that. I mean, we're all going to die. The Bible says that in Psalm or in Hebrews chapter 9. And so people don't like to talk about death a lot. Uh, but uh, here in verse 4 is just a real uh, what we what we call practical look at what's going to happen to all of us. This guy, <clears throat> his name is Lloyd Carey. He says, you and I are going to die. There is no escaping it. Who hasn't heard of the two inescapable facts, death and taxes? I like the comment from John Welsh when he said, maybe death and taxes are inevitable. But death doesn't get worse every time Congress meets. 
Mm. So, death is certain if you're filling out your notes. Hebrews 9.27, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. And you just don't like to think of it, perhaps, but for the believer, we all know we don't have to fear death, do we? We have lots of promises in the Bible concerning the death of believers and so on. So there's a few things we should nail down. Death is certain, that's for sure, not Hebrews 9.27. We cannot bribe it. We can't avoid it and face it. We must face it. We must. I'm going to read James chapter 4, actually beginning with verse 13. <clears throat> it says, Come now, you who say, uh, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, uh, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, we will... Uh, um, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Isn't that true? <laughs> the years go by fast. Instead, James says, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So, you know, the Lord willing, we're going to be in eight states in the next two, two, two and a half weeks. So, it must be faced. And the point is to be prepared to meet God. That's the point. Prepared to meet God. So, by the way, the statistics on death are, are quite uh, impressive. One out of one person dies. One out of one. In other words, the point is made. Someday the clock is going to stop for all of us. And that's why Amos 4.12, and I share this at funerals a lot, because people will come to a funeral, but they won't step inside the church door for anything else. Well, for some reason, they'll listen when death is around, or talked about, and someone has died that they knew, or something like that. But prepare to meet thy God, Amos 4.12. How important is it to be prepared? I was a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout for years, way back in the 50s. You know, back then when they drove drove a car that had clutches and no, you know, none of this automatic stuff. You could pull into the shade tree and put spark plugs in it if you want, change your own oil, and... Uh, you had all kinds of room underneath that hood. No computer, no backup camera, no cell phone, no Bluetooth, none of that. Way back in the 50s when life was simple, um, I went to the Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. Do they still have that around here? Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts? You don't know, do you? I don't either. Uh, but anyway, they had one motto. Can you guess what it was? B. Prepared. That was the motto of the scouts. Be prepared. Prepare to meet thy God. How do you prepare to meet God? Well, number one, we better pay attention to what the Scripture says about when we stand before the Lord, because someday everybody will, and He'll either be our Savior or He'll be our judge. 
For those who have accepted Christ and what He's done on the cross, been born into the family of God, and know the Lord, what a joyous time that's going to be. And I uh, can't wait. Like the Bible says, Now unto Him who is able to present you faultless before His presence. We know we're not faultless, but through Christ and what He's done and how He's taken on our sin and uh, given us His righteousness and positionally and will stand before the Lord forgiven and whole and uh, like the Bible says, with exceeding joy. What a day that will be. But for those who just foo-foo the idea of being saved, eternity's a long time. And so, in other words, how do we prepare? Number one, we have to remember that we're sinners, and we're on a terrible path. Before you're saved, you're on a terrible path to judgment and eternal, what would you call separation from God? The second death, that's what the, the Bible says anyway. Eternal separation from God in a terrible place called hell. And so what God did to help and reach out in the very best way he could in sending his son, that's how you prepare. You prepare by knowing Jesus as your personal Savior. And then I think it even goes beyond that because um, although that determines your destiny, I want things right with my Lord when that moment comes, don't you? I don't want to say, well, I accepted Christ on February 11th, 1970, which I did, and then I did nothing with the rest of my life since then. I don't want that to happen. He saved me for a reason and for a purpose, and He did that for you too. And so whatever you do for the Lord, I hope it's because you love Him. And when that clock stops, I want to be serving and loving and walking with Him being prepared to meet God. Yes, eternally that happens at the cross, but uh, when we talk about the judgment seat of Christ and rewards and well done, thou good and faithful servant, and things that last for eternity, then we want even more preparation. So death is certain. Okay, let's talk about the valley. Let me read it again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Did you see that? There is a change in pronouns. Anybody an English teacher here? Everybody's looking at Tiffany again. <laughs> Once you're a teacher, I mean, it doesn't matter if you teach math or science. Or they all look at you and then, you know. I mean, I was a teacher for I don't know how many years, as well as a pastor, and, uh, you know, my wife is still training me on how to spell. But uh, <clears throat> she's been very patient. I always say, honey, how do you spell whatever? And she just rattles it off like that. And here I was a teacher for all those years. But I didn't teach spelling. That wasn't my ticket. Anyway, um, so if you didn't notice it, let me point it out. The first part of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That's the pronoun he. But now when we're talking about death, all of a sudden is, but thou, you, personal, are with me, Lord. Now this is just so precious to me. But So here it is. The valley is narrow. If you're taking notes, 
single file only. You can't bring friends or family. Here's a personal memory I'll share with you. There was a dear old lady there at the uh, Marcel Community Church where we pastored for 14 years. and We knew she was on her deathbed. Her name was Ruth. And Ruth had a friend named Evie. And um, they both were about the same age, I think. I don't know. Quite elderly, but they, they did a lot of things together, and they just loved the Lord. They were at every service and, and um, Bible study, and just wonderful. Well, Ruth was dying, and, uh, oh, I don't know, about a week before she went home to be with the Lord, we were gathered around her bed, Carol and I, and Evie. It was just us three, wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway, and so... She wanted us to sing, and we had my guitar there, and we sang for her, Carol and I did, and read scripture, and she talked with her friend Evie, and all of a sudden she looked at Evie and said, well, I know this is it, but uh, will you come with me? She asked Evie to go with her, and she meant it too. And Evie said no. This is a single-file event except for one thing, and that is the Lord Jesus will be with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Now, you can't go. You can't go with your friends. You can't go with your family. And it wasn't long after that, about, what, two years? Two years after that, Evie joined her. Evie joined her in glory. We had those two funerals, and they were graduating Funerals, it was just wonderful. Here's your notes, but this verse does teach that the believer will not be alone. You and I will not be alone when that time comes. Any amens on that? We're not alone. We won't be alone. We don't walk in the valley. We walk through the valley with our great shepherd. I'm going to say it again. It's in your notes. We don't walk in the valley. We walk through the valley with our great shepherd. Now, even 2 Corinthians 5.8 tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He's right there with us. We don't ever have to fear that. So let's go on here, and it says, For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff is, uh, the shepherd's rod is used for protection, and then the, uh, uh, from adversaries. <coughs> and then his staff was also used for counting the sheep one by one as they go into the fold. Now let's get to the crux of the matter here this morning it's all about our great shepherd what he did with death on that cross so take your bibles and turn to second timothy chapter 2 second timothy chapter 2 i love this book second timothy i don't know how many times i preached through it verse by verse it's a wonderful book but in verse 10 second timothy 2:10 actually beginning with verse Nine, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Verse 10, but has now 
been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here it is, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That is very interesting. What does that word abolish mean in the Greek? You can write it down somewhere. It means rendered inoperative or ineffective. You say, well, we still die. Yes, we do. But death has no more power. It's like going out like my daughters did all the time. Growing up, they had a tremendous knack of finding a bee's nest and hollering for guess who? Papa! <laughs> Dad! And, of course, I would run to their rescue and get stung all over the place. And uh, my wife's smiling because she knows it happened time after time after time. And uh, that's what dads are for, you know, to take the bee stings. But you see, that's what Jesus did. He took the sting of death, didn't he? Fact is, he took the stinger, and the stinger was left in Jesus. And when a bee has lost its stinger, guess what? It doesn't hurt you anymore, does it? And for the Christian... The Lord Jesus took the sting. We're going to look at that in a second. But this is so neat. He has rendered ineffective death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus made all the difference. <clears throat> so praise God. Now let's look at that. I'm not just talking through my hat. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? I tell you, it's in Jesus. And he rose from the grave and conquered death completely. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades or hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, our great shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid. Because Jesus and his rod and his staff is right there with me, the great shepherd. So, if you're going to complete your notes there, we'll get back to Hebrews in a minute. Death stung Christ on the cross and left its stinger in him, so that ever after it could not hurt the child of God. No way. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, Inasmuch then, as the children have partakers of flesh and blood, he himself, the Lord Jesus, likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We don't have to be afraid of death. Amen? I mean, a lot of things to preach about, and I have, even in the year and a half I've been here. And I'm telling you what. This thing faces all of us, and for a born-again believer, we don't have to be afraid of it. Now, I used to tell the Lord when I first got saved that uh, I hope he doesn't take me home either through the rapture or death till I get married. 
I want to experience marriage. Well, then I had that for a while, and then I said, well, Lord, same is true. I, I don't want to go home to be with you through death or the rapture till I have children so I can experience being a father. You see where this is going. And then it was a grandfather, and then, you know, a great-granddad, and, and, uh, <laughs> and well, he blessed me that way because I, I've seen all of that. But the point here is we don't ever have to be afraid whether we are 20, whether we're, you know, like me, 43. I thought you would choke on that. How wonderful this is. He has released those who all, uh, through who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I hope you don't be afraid of that. If you're prepared, if you're saved, if you've come to know Christ as your Savior, if you're walking with Him and you have that peace that passes all understanding, you don't have to be afraid of this at all. Just remember, Christ took the sting on the cross. Okay, let's go down to the bottom of the page, which reads this way. And now, since He is risen and conquered death itself, our shepherd himself does this. This is neat. Revelation 1, 18. Our shepherd himself holds the keys. Revelation 1, 18. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. He has the keys. That's right. Our great shepherd himself holds the keys. Aren't you glad? I don't want somebody else holding the keys of death. <coughs> my life is in his hands. So is my death. So, never forget our shepherd's words, John eleven twenty five. If you know it with me, say it out loud. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And God's people said, Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, because he is with me, my great, great shepherd. So we're going to sing a song called Because He Lives, because that makes a difference in our lives. So let's stand and sing and see if we can mess up the... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Rob, I couldn't. couldn't. Yeah. <laughs>